0: Hey out there rock and rollers, welcome to the 91st edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. Brought to you by me, your host, Mac B. the Wolf, and I'll soon be joined by my partner in crime from the East Coast of America, Action Jackson. And this is where we are two old friends and we talk about the stuff we love, like classic rock, hard rock, prog rock, heavy metal, early MTV, all the stuff that turned us on over the years. And as an expat living in London... I've had the opportunity to explore bands that we knew growing up, but also bands that maybe made it big over here in England, but didn't do as well in America, and we try to bring you some of the dichotomy of that and how that works. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in last week to episode 90, talking about Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp, because I did have the opportunity to see them live, and we reviewed their album 18, and we've got a lot of interesting hits and talk about that, so I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. But talking about some bands that break big in one place, be it America versus the UK, and not the other. We've talked about this before on the show. A quintessential act in that respect is Def Leppard. From Sheffield, born out of the 70s, big into things like The Sweet, Mott the Hopple, a little bit of David Bowie, a little bit of Led Zeppelin, certainly from Steve Clark, their old guitar player. Out came Def Leppard of the 70s hit the 80s and hit it big time in America, thanks to MTV on Pyromania, specifically Foolin', Rock of Ages, and the big one, Photograph. Now, in England, they can't get arrested. I don't think they really got into the top 40. I don't think Photograph got into the top 40. And they didn't sell that well over here. So, it was just odd to me that that happened. Like, they're good looking, they have great hits, the sound is perfect for the 80s, and they have these great videos. Now, you only saw videos, really, in England if they hit the top 40. And if they didn't hit the top 40, then you didn't. So they kind of missed out on MTV and the importance of MTV in our lives as Americans. But obviously, that blew them up huge. And then Hysteria came up, and it was huge. And it did help them get their first number one in the UK after 10 years, but absolutely blew up to enormous heights in America. They have two, not one, but two Two diamond-selling albums. It's at least $10 in sales. And to be a rock band with that, you have to be Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or the Beatles or the Eagles. And even sometimes those you contain the greatest hits album. These are two original albums in Pyromania and Asteria that have hit that mark. So, a few years back, they decided, hey, we're going to do a stadium tour. We'll co-headline it with Motley Crue. And then they end up getting a couple folks to be under them, namely Poison and Joan Jett. People who fit in the bill. Uh, and can really deliver a show. Then, of course, COVID hits. They have to postpone it not one year, but two years, until finally taking place this year in 2022. Well, Def Leppard did not let the grass grow under their feet, they took the time to record a new album, something a lot of bands did, but not everybody on that tour. In fact, they're the only band on the CDM tour who chose to do that. And now they're able to deliver a show and work in some new material, which is very exciting for fans around the world. Now, I haven't seen the show yet, but Gary did, Action Jackson did, and he gave me his review on episode, I think it was 83 or 84, when I was doing part two of Rolling Stones in Hyde Park, he was letting us in on his experience in the rain in Jacksonville with Def Leppard and Motley Crue. This week, we decided to have Def Leppard super fan from Canada, Chris, from My Rock and Roll Heaven. You know him from At Rock These Tweets, where he has all sorts of great on-this-day memories and Remembering albums that came out, singles, stuff hitting the charts, things like that. Super guy, super knowledgeable. He's been on our show before. We talked about Guns N' Roses' appetite for destruction with him earlier this year. And with him finally getting to see Def Leppard after about four years, I thought we'd take the opportunity to have him on the show and give us his perspective versus what Jackson saw because he's seen Def Leppard many times. Uh, And just let us know what his experience is like, how he liked it, uh, how he thought the new stuff worked in, uh, and all that kind of good stuff. So we're going to get here with Chris in just a second. As usual, we need to tell you that we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family of shows, about 100 shows, all music-based, but not all rock and roll. You like rap, you like jazz, you like pop music. There's something in there for you. But we do like talking about our friends who we've had on the show or been on their shows, including... The great Paul Stevenson of Vintage Rock Pod and This Day Rocks, who's been a big help to us. Of course, Jay at the Hook Rocks, who's had me on there before. The Kiss Kings, Tom and Zeus of the Shout It Out Loudcast, the best damn Kiss show in the whole world. We've had them on before. And uh, another one coming up here real soon, Christy Alexander-Hallberg, Rock is Lit. Uh, and even though we're not writers, you might just hear us on her show at some point. So you're going to have to tune into that. You go to pods or www.pantheonpodcast.com. There's some really fun stuff in the work with Pantheon that I can't wait to tell you about. Also, we want you to download and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Please subscribe. The downloads just help us move up the charts. And if you write a positive review, like a five-star review, and you send it to us, we will happily read it here on the show. And, of course, we have to mention our glorious sponsors, rarevinyl.com. Go to www.rarevinyl.com or eil.com. If you're looking for a pristine copy of an LP that you loved growing up or that rare single that's hard to find, especially hard to find in good shape, Go there, use the code PODCAST, and you'll get 10% off your order. They have over a quarter of a million things in stock. They ship all over the world, and they not only have really high-quality stuff, but they have that rare and hard-to-find stuff. Uh, You're looking for Def Leppard stuff? I guarantee you can find some really cool stuff at rarevinyl.com. And again, use the code PODCAST. You'll receive 10% off not only your first order, but all orders going forward. So with that... Let's get into it. We're going to talk to our buddy Chris from Canada. Talk about Def Leppard at the Stadium Tour in Toronto, right here on The Wolf.
2: Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds.
0: Before we get into, you know, the show from the Rogers Center, I was hoping you might have some memories of your first Def Leppard concert to share with us. Because our, our 30th anniversary of seeing Def Leppard live for the first time is coming up in February for me and Jackson. Right. We saw them on the Adrenalized Tour mm-hmm. uh, in the Orlando Arena, 1993, in The Round. It was awesome. We absolutely loved it. We had a blast. The set list was killer. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we could have picked a better one, to be honest with you. Maybe a little tweak here and there. But we kind of were curious, you know, when was the site? And I have a few, like, actual questions I guess I could ask. Sure. So what was the date, city, and venue of your first Def Leppard concert, Chris?
1: So... It was on the Adrenalize tour as well. So a little little backstory, though. It should have been on the Hysteria tour. Right. I was... I'm just trying to think back here now. Yeah, so I was 17 years old in right. 1988, turning 17. Mm-hmm. And if you remember the summer of 1988, it was definitely the summer of Def Leppard and Hysteria, right? Like
3: Absolutely.
1: Sugar had just exploded. And I think they were selling like a million albums a week. Blah, blah, blah. It was just like... Everywhere you went was hysteria. So, of course, I was part of that hype and craziness and hysteria. Yeah. And Def Leppard was coming. I think it was the second leg of the North American tour. They were coming to Toronto. Okay. And I begged and begged and begged my parents, "Uh, please, can we go? Like... I lived, uh, I think I told you guys this before, I lived in a smaller Northern Ontario town north of Toronto. And, Mm -hmm. you know, going down to the big city was a big deal back then, right? Like, you didn't go often. I wasn't about to go by myself. My parents weren't going to let me. So I had begged and begged and begged, please, can we get a ticket? Can we go? I'll just go by myself. You can sit outside and wait, like whatever. Sure, whatever Um, it takes. Whatever it takes to get there. And it just didn't happen. And I, I remember being like so devastated that I couldn't go see this band that was now my favorite band that was coming to town. I had seen, you know, obviously the music videos of their, especially pour some sugar on me, the live in the, and I'm like, Oh my God, this stage, this it's amazing. I gotta go. And so it didn't happen, you know, devastated. So I said to myself, I am not going to let that happen again. Mm -hmm. I am going next time. Needless to say, I had no idea it would be so long in between albums right and that i wouldn't get another opportunity
0: again right i mean after yeah. the four and a half year break between right. pyromania and Mysterio, it's like, well, well, they're not gonna let that happen again
1: <laughs> and the funny thing is so i still have this i def leppard came to toronto they we had much music which was our video channel here in canada comparable right. to mtv and they joe and rick allen went to much music and did a very lengthy interview while they were here for that tour Cool. And I still have it on VHS tape and it's a great interview. And I clearly remember, so this would have been like, you know, July of 88 or whatever. I clearly remember Joe getting asked the question, you know, what's up with the next album mm-hmm. and him saying, we've already got songs written for the next album. And I was like, oh my God. And he said, he said, not verb- I can't remember verbatim, but It's not going to take as long as the last one, (laughs) which crazy, eh? And then what happened with everything? So that being said, all that time went by, Adrenalize came out, and I was all over it when they announced the tour. So I saw them on the Adrenalize tour October 21st, 1992 at Maple Leaf Gardens, which was the iconic uh, hockey venue here in Toronto. Um, in the round, obviously, as you mentioned, I was so happy that they were going to be in the round again. I knew they weren't doing all their shows on the Adrenalized Tour in the round, depending on the venue. Sure, right. Mm-hmm. And the actually, the other tour, the other show they did in Toronto later was at one end, but this was Maple Leaf Gardens in the round. And the other really cool thing was no opening band. It was Build an Evening with Def Leppard. That's right. right. I'm pretty sure that was the same for us, wasn't it, Jackson?
3: Yeah, I don't remember there being an opening act for that.
0: I remember the ticket, too, An Evening with Def
3: Lufford. Yeah. So that's
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I've still got the ticket that's up behind me, framed on the wall back here. Uh, Still have my tour program. Still have the Adrenalized tie-dye t-shirt. Nice. Um, Got everything from it. But that was – so that was my my first show. So the 30th anniversary for me coming up, October 21st, 1992. Maple Leaf Gardens was a great venue. I had decent seats. um, Not floors, but just first kind of – section on the rails around the boards where the oh, boards would have been that's nice because no one's in front of you you know right yeah right
0: that's yeah. nice. so you know,
1: we're no
3: and there were no boards right because everything was underneath if i Correct. remember correctly yeah because yeah. we got you were talking about they they didn't do the in the round for every show we went and saw metallica on the black album tour in a venue that was so small, they didn't do the in the round. And I remember thinking, well, this is kind of, I'm a little bit cheese. I am mean, happy that we're here, but I'm kind of a little bit upset because the the round just them walking all over the place and engaging the whole crowd 360 was really cool to see. And yeah. Rick's drum kit that would move around and go up and down. And that was pretty awesome too.
1: Yeah. I think that was probably, I'm just thinking back now too, because I obviously the hype and, my anticipation around it was massive because of being such a fan of the band and I loved Adrenalize, still do, but that was also my first, I'd been to other shows in my hometown. Okay. But my that was my first show in a venue of that size with a band of that stature.
0: Ah, gotcha.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I had seen smaller shows, you know, 5,000 people, smaller theater shows, um, but that was my first kind of venture to the big city to a proper, like, major band with a major show. So it was all of that excitement rolled up into, oh, my God, this is probably going to be the greatest experience of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't missed the Toronto show since, right? Uh, here and there. Um, I've seen almost every tour. I, I was trying to remember, actually, for today, because I was thinking back. I don't have all of my ticket tickets, does because of that, there was that period in the mid 2005 to 2015 where you're, you, they, you started to do the electronic ticket. Right. So I was doing that kicking myself now because I reverted back to getting the paper ticket for a while. But um, I think this this most recent show would be number 15, I believe, for Def Leppard overall.
0: That's yeah. good. That's awesome. Yeah. That's higher than me for everything. I Rush, your compatriots. Uh is 12. I've seen them 12 right. times. Not not gonna see them anymore. Uh so, so no. that's as high as it goes. So uh fifteen on one band is pretty solid, man. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I
1: think, think I the one tour that I know I missed, I didn't catch uh euphoria. I didn't catch that one, but there are a couple there are a couple other ones that I saw them twice on because the cool thing about Def Leopard always tours Canada fairly extensively. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've heard Joe. Actually, Joe just mentioned it even in the last stadium tour or behind the scenes video that is their biggest market per capita. I
0: would buy of- that. I, I would buy that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because because huge rock fans there, and it's not totally populous. And it, you can go quintuple platinum in Canada. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. And even they, so, as I said, they've they've always done extensive tours. So being where I am in southern Ontario, you know, they will hit. I could actually literally go to three within a five-hour round trip, like Ottawa, Toronto, Hamilton, boom, 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 boom. You could do them back-to-back-to-back to back to back nights if you really wanted to, which I've done in a couple, uh, a couple of cases. So just quickly, I've had the the pleasure of seeing them in a small venue as well um, on the Slang Tour, which we know all would happen with Slang, right? Oh, Where yeah. Things kind of, you know, at that era of the, the band and what was going on in the music scene you know, they weren't playing the big venues. So I actually saw them in a little town up near my hometown called Sudbury in a small, like 3000 seater arena. I don't know. They must've been throwing darts at a map. Cause I was <laughs> like, Why would you ever come here? Right. But that was like, that was, that's a whole other concert story entirely. Cause that was like a religious experience going to that and getting to actually see them up close. But yeah, I, so I've been lucky in that I've been able to see them, you know, numerous times over the years, and as Joe says, you know, there will be a next time, so I'm looking forward to when they come back, probably in the next two years.
3: Well, that's
0: cool, you know, and and of course, our buddy Neil from Def Leap Pod has Slang Part 1 out right now, uh, his, one, his yep. latest one, which I know, yeah, it's it was a controversial one, right? It, it was, mm-hmm. were you trying to be grunge? Were you just trying to sound different? And I think it's one that's also aged well. Yes. Uh, Because it was met with a lot of, this isn't Def Leppard uh, at the time. But if you give it, you know, listens plus you age, you change, you grow up and you hear different things. And now you hear, you know what, I can see what they were doing on that a little bit more now. Um, And it's okay to to change and evolve. I I really don't like people who don't let bands grow. I mean, I understand it's a balance, right? It's got to sound like you. But as an artist, you've got to do something new you've got to push the envelope a little bit not to mention maybe try to get something on the radio which means you've got to kind of know what's going on in the trends of the day so it's it's a tightrope act. there's no doubt about it definitely uh also their intention was to put out an album two years after hysteria right because hysteria took so long and was so expensive they they kind of had plans to put retroactive out in 1989. But then Hysteria did so darn well that they didn't have to anymore, you know, because they need to sell like five or six million copies just to break even. Something crazy like that. Like, Correct. that's probably not going to happen. So we'll save this retroactive thing to kind of – because we already got the songs, right? All we have to do is just put it out uh, and recoup more money that way. But uh, right. but that's neither here nor there.
1: <laughs> this is Neil from Deflet Pod and you're
2: listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast.
0: all right let's let's get into august 8th at the uh at the rogers center which is is that is that new is that a new arena that they built for the nba and new leafs thing or is that just they they kind of renamed the old leaf center and and rebranded it and maybe built in some some skyboxes and stuff in it
1: right so Rogers Center is, they, they renamed it. So originally this venue, so this is a stadium. This is a baseball stadium.
0: Oh, it's where the Blue Jays play.
1: Yeah, correct. Yes, okay. um, so Dome. this is, yeah. it was originally called Sky Dome. Gotcha. So this is a massive stadium and it's, it is now actually shockingly, I think it's the third oldest or fourth oldest stadium in, in major league baseball. It was built, I think it was opened in 1989 or 1990 uh the world's first retractable roof. Right,
0: state of the art, you know.
1: Right. So so that's the venue um I have seen shows there in the past as far back as 1991, actually. Uh, no, sorry, 1990. Yeah, around 1992 actually. It's it's a good venue but it's not great for sound like a lot of the stadiums, right? are okay. um the acoustics are not fantastic but this, uh, so this show was the first in Canada for the stadium tour um, okay. and the first in a building with a roof. So all of the shows to this point and to Jackson, your point with waiting out the rain, we didn't have to deal with weather issues, which I'm glad because there was a chance of rain the day of the show. So I knew the roof would be closed, which I was pleased about because it also then meant that we were going to be able to get all of the bands kind of full lighting right with oh, okay so because so Def Leppard was um they had they obviously switch each night with crew about who closes so crew was closing the stadium show tour for me which I was like ah I had hoped it would be Def Leppard but at any rate the good thing was with the roof closed and it being dark you know, Def Leppard being on earlier, you got the full experience of the full stage video show. Again, a good a good venue, um, great size, great experience to be in amongst all those people. Again, but depending where you sit, and I'm always very conscious now of when I go to shows at this venue, I make sure I get tickets on the floor as close as I can because if you sit anywhere back or up high in the the nosebleeds or anywhere up there, the sound just right. You get the echo. Right. Especially with the roof closed. So, plus you're just watching the
0: video screen at that point. You know, and at that point, you're doing it. Yeah. It's sure. just kind of like little, little blips on the stage as far away as you can exactly. be there. Yeah. That's yeah. true.
1: So, it's a good venue. And like I said, I've seen many shows there over the years. And I was excited um, because I think I told you guys I had initially, when this tour was announced, I immediately bought tickets for New York City. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't going to be a Canadian tour at that point. So thanks to COVID and then then trying to, you know, decide to extend this tour to other countries and Canada first, I wasn't able to go to the New York City show, which fell apart, unfortunately. But as soon as they had announced Toronto last year, I bought seats for Toronto too. So I was like, I'm covering all my bases. (laughs) I'm hitting this show in multiple venues, hopefully, but happy still that I was able to get to the Toronto show um, and not, unfortunately, not the New York show, but.
0: No, I understand. And we we kind of had grand designs. Maybe we we Jackson. And I had a big dream to have you and Neil and me come down to Jacksonville during Fourth of July right. for the stadium tour, right? Because we could stay at my dad's beach place. We could show Neil what American Fourth of July really looks like. You know, I could see Def Leppard for the first time in thirty years. We're all, and then I'm like, I can't come in. I can't tell my wife I'm flying to America just to see Def Leppard and Motley. Who's he gonna? She's going to kill me, you know, not to mention this whole moving, moving across the continent thing is kind of, you know, throwing a monkey in the wrench or whatever. But yeah, I mean, COVID has done that to a lot of gigs. And while I've been able to see most of the shows that I bought tickets for in 2019 or 2020, which have been postponed, postponed, now they're happening this year some got canceled and even one deep purple that i was supposed to see in the o2 come october here which i've been waiting for for two and a half two and three quarters years because they had blue oyster Cult opening for them too well, now I've moved out of the damn country, and I'm not going to go uh, see them anymore. Now, the good news is they're playing Amsterdam about okay, 10 good. days before I was supposed to see them. So I think I'm going to weasel in there. But they don't have Blue Oyster Cult. They got Jefferson Starship. I'm like, uh, man, that's not the same sport, man. That's no, not not good. at all. So maybe I'll just come in a little late for that. All right. Well, Jackson, you, you had the experience, man. I mean, I want you to compare a little bit with Chris, because obviously you got deluged, and then everybody, Joni was a little late, and Poison was a little late crew was late i mean i don't think i don't i mean death leopard didn't even start till 10 30
1: when you saw it. oh Jeez. Right?
3: yeah that's correct i was gonna say you know you were talking about being in the sky dome with the with the uh dome closed you haven't lived until you've been sitting in the uh in the rain just thinking well i think it's i think it's gonna tail off here and they're like no it's getting worse oh no, it's getting worse and then all of a sudden the big they had the big like flashing red signs like take cover right now like okay so yeah my son and i were huddled in the luckily where we were we only had to come down a couple of rows and they had like a big like they had the budweiser fan zone that you could go in they had big garage doors that they would open so we got in there undercover um and just sat at a table or well, stood at a table and waited it out but yeah it was one of those i think people have been waiting so long by that point to see this show that nobody yeah. was leaving everybody was crowded in there wasn't anybody that, that it didn't look like anybody was leaving so that was, uh, it became kind of a communal experience and then, you know, they flashed up the sign. Okay. It's, you can go back to your seats now and it was still pouring rain. I'm like, eh, maybe I'll give it another minute or so. But yeah, like, uh, did you, did you have a um, classless act open?
1: Yeah. So we, we did. So unfortunately I missed them. So part of the, and I'm hearing this from a lot of people with this, with this tour, um, mm-hmm. various things. So, Number one, um, the fact that Jackson, like you experienced that so many of these shows have had weather issues in the U S because of the season. So the fact that it was scheduled in the summer, I heard a lot of rumblings about like, well, you knew there was going to be weather problems, you know, why did you do that? Whatever. But, and then the sheer size of the bill, right? You've got four bands. Then it was announced there was going to be the fifth Mm classless act. And so many of these shows happening. So my show was on a Monday. I don't know when yours was, but I, there was no way I was going to be able to get down into the city on Monday, a work day um, with mm-hmm. traffic, mm-hmm. For classless act at 330 in the afternoon. 30, wow. goodness! Right, yeah, <laughs> so you know what?
3: You know, maybe it was because mine was on Saturday, so we we had we had all go. day. So yeah, you're right. Probably if it was the same deal, I would have missed it also because I mean I never heard of these guys before. I've got four other bands that are going to go right. on, but I will say that that they they rocked it pretty hard.
1: So I've heard I've heard very good things about them. I. Recently, they had an, they had their full album come out last month, and I've been listening to it. It's good, and I've heard the same thing from others who have caught their show on this tour. That you know, they may be playing to a thousand people because no one's there yet, but they are high energy. They I was going to throwback, right? Yeah. Glam metal. You know, they got a connection with Vince. They got the yeah. connection with Bob Rock.
3: You wouldn't know that from how they were playing. You would have thought the place was packed. They were it, they were happy to be there yeah um, and I was I didn't even know they were going to be there. I was pleasantly surprised. I said four and then an opening act. Okay, well, the only thing was they were the only people that could play during totally decent weather. Everybody else oh. had something else going on that night.
1: yeah, it's interesting because i I knew they were opening um the show because they had done this throughout the us on a number of the dates, but it's funny because I was checking I wasn't sure whether they were going to be on the Canadian shows. And I was checking up until that day, and I still hadn't gotten any announcement whether or not Classis Act was going to actually be opening the show in Toronto. And mm-hmm. I finally got an email that afternoon on the Monday saying, yes, Classis Act is on at, I think it was 3.30, Joan Jet, 4.30, whatever it was. And I was like, oh, well, that ain't going to happen. And traffic was just so brutal getting downtown that uh, I even missed a portion of Joan Jet set, which was disappointing.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And that, before we got to Def Leppard, I kind of wanted to hear what you thought about the the two big acts, you know, that came on before them in Joan Jett and Poison. Because yeah. I, I got to say, I'm not uh, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of either one. I, I would say uh, Joan, I, I like, but I just kind of know a couple of her hits. Poison, I'm on kind of the other side of. Like, I generally speaking, don't like them.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: But I have respect for them and certainly for Brett Michaels, because as a front man, he knows what his job is yeah. uh, and he delivers very well. You know yes. and and i you know he, they deserve respect just because i don't like them i think they're cheesy i think they're made for girls and, and, and this is 1988 do you like Def leopard or poison i'm always gonna go deaf leopard you know do you like bon jovi or poison do you like cinderella right. or poison everything's tougher than poison if you ask me but that said they're of a genre they have tons of fans Yes. You know, and I think they fit in well on this tour, you know, coming ahead of of Motley and, and Def Leppard. So i was just kind of curious what your experience with those first two were.
1: So again, going back to the anticipation for this tour, when I bought these tickets and when it was announced um, way back in 2019 in December, just a little background about these bands and my history with them. So I have seen all four of these bands before, including Joan Jett um, once, but I have seen Poison, Crew, and Def Leppard all multiple times. Cool. And these three bands are arguably, for me, rank up in my top bands of the 80s that I was a fan of, right? Gotcha. And I was a huge Poison fan. I've I've seen, I first saw Poison way back in like 1990. So I've seen them multiple times as well. And again, another very good market for Poison Canada. Mm-hmm. Huge in Canada. Poison has always been big in Canada. So I was beyond over the moon, beyond my mind, excited when this lineup was announced because I I thought it was literally potentially the best lineup you could put together for me. For you personally. My history with all these bands. I was like, oh my God, they tailor made the show for me. <laughs> this, is, this is beyond exciting. So I gotta go. So, anyways, I was Really excited to see all of them. Joan Jett, unfortunately, I probably I was just looking at her set list and I was like, man, I wish I would have left the house an hour and a half earlier because her set list was excellent. And man, she can still belt them out. She can, can't she? She sounds fantastic. Now, in terms of you know the stage show, etc. She's the opener, so you know not built
3: for her, right? Not yeah.
1: built. It was, you know, it was scaled back. Um, you know, she stood at her mic, she played. There wasn't a lot going on up there, but there didn't have to be because she's such a great performer, musician, singer. She's got a great band now. And she played, I think, probably the perfect set list for her for the fans that were there, right? All of the yeah. hits. Like all of it. Yeah,
3: I would agree with that. There, there were, I don't know all of Joan Jett's songs. But I knew most of what she played. They were her hits. Uh, you're right. She didn't, the stage was a little static. There wasn't a lot going on. Now, when I saw her, it was still raining pretty bad, but she, she toughed it out. You'd have never known that from the way that she played. She there wasn't any kind of complaining from her or the, anybody on the stage. She went out there and rocked it. And there were a lot of people who, it looked like they were there to see her because they were out in the rain dancing around. It was really cool to see that. Um, Yeah. And she, she is a rock star, just a, just a badass rocker chick. She still
1: looks great too. Right. Like she's got the look. Yep.
3: Yep. She looks like, she looks like she could still kick your ass pretty easily. So yeah. Kudos to her. And like you said, the band is great also.
1: Yeah. And the uh, it's interesting you say about like people there to see her. There were definitely people at the Toronto show there to see Joan Jett. Yeah. Uh, we had some people sitting just in front of us and they were they're probably, you know, I'm thinking about 10 years older than myself, but they were, they were there specifically to see Joan Jett and were like, just absolutely like they were, they were so happy. They were so excited. They said they'd seen her multiple times. And that was one of the best shows she'd ever played for them. Uh, just in terms of her sound and all the rest of it, you know, at that point in the day, You know, she was done by just after five, I guess. She played about, what, 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. 50 minutes, Mm -hmm. um, but crammed in a ton of songs. Like a lot of her songs were shorter to begin with. Right. But she crammed in a lot into her set, jam-packed and really a crowd pleaser. There was probably, I'm going to say the place was half full. um, At that point? Okay. At that point. So there were, this was a, pretty sure it was sold out. I think it was 43,000 was the final number, but it was about half full. And uh, she did not disappoint. You would have thought by the the crowd reaction and the, the roar that it was the full house for sure. It was. I was actually a little bit pleasantly surprised for her because, uh, as I said, I've seen her before and she's great. I'm not the biggest Joan Jett fan, but I have you know her big albums from the '80s sure. records mm-hmm. and everything and i still do listen to them like you know i love rock and roll it's got to be one of my all time favorite songs and that's in my regular rotation style. classic yeah classic right so all of those that was definitely the uh the classic rock crowds choice for this this bill was it was a good move i think putting her on as the opener okay good. um with who they br- were able to bring in uh she fit nicely i think with what was going on cool that's
0: good to hear what was she wearing was she all black was she all red? Was she? What did she have on? Do you remember? At
1: our show, she was in white.
0: Was she all white? Ooh, I like the white outfits. I think those are Which cool.
1: Which may have something to do with, I remember years ago, Brian Adams saying this, because he they were always like, why do you just wear a white t-shirt at these big, sh-? and he's like, well, so then people can see me on the, like, they're way far off in the crowd. Right. The white kind of brightens it up and stands out, but I don't know, maybe it was that, but yeah, she was, she was in white.
0: Side note. Is Brian Adams the biggest male solo artist in Canadian history?
1: Oh by far. Easily, without a doubt. Yeah, not even not even close. <laughs> and he's and he's Rock
0: Royalty obviously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah.
1: Because obviously I follow you
0: on my rock and roll heaven tweets and, and and you know all sorts of anniversaries and stuff like that and you never seem to miss a Uh, a brian adams one i'm like well that makes sense chris is canadian and brian adams is a (laughs) canadian favorite
1: artist of mine so the good news is he's coming and doing a massive canadian tour this fall so i'll be there for that as well
0: (laughs) all right cuts like a knife man it's the summer of 22
1: all right Hi, guys. This is Chris Slade, drummer of ACDC and many others. And you're listening to the ugly, I mean
3: really ugly,
1: Werewolf in London. (laughs) Hey, folks. Stefan Shirazi and Renee
3: Richardson here from the Metallica Report.
1: And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite.
3: We've got something pretty cool for you you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica
1: merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S.
0: Good stuff. All right. Well, so then moving on to one of the more polarizing bands, Poison. They didn't have to fight the weather this time. Uh, how how do they do live?
1: Poison always brings it. Yeah. 100% great life. Baby. So they are, I have, uh, I've been a poison fan since the day. I remember walking through the mall in North Bay past the record shop and seeing this album on the stand. And I was like, wow, who are those hot chicks? <laughs> <Exactly>.
3: <laughs> it was, look what, <laughs> it was
1: Look what the cat dragged in. <laughs> and, uh, and that was my introduction to Poison, but ever since Talk Dirty to Me came out, I've been a massive Poison fan. Like I said, I've seen them multiple times. They are, you know, I, and I get where you were going with, you know, they're not everybody's cup of tea, mm-hmm. um, but for me at that time of my life, were such a fun, energetic band with great music to listen to. And their live shows are always, always top notch because of the showmanship not the greatest musicians, let's be honest, um, but they are absolutely, in my opinion, one of the best live bands you'll see in terms of having fun. If you just want to go to a concert and have a ton of fun, Poison is got to be right up there for me with with all of the best bands in terms of show putting on a show. Yeah, I
3: was gonna say I would I would agree with that. And I was 99 percent sure we were not going to see them because oh, geez. The, well the night that the the night that we were going to see them, the day before he was Brett Michaels was in the hospital.
1: Oh right. Right.
3: He had COVID. And so I said, well, I guess they'll just especially with the rain now, I guess they'll just cut it down to three and then we'll, you know, we'll we'll go from there. Setting the stage up, but, and I didn't really know what was going on because it all kind of looked the same when they're moving stuff on and off because there weren't any banners or anything like that. And then they right. just said, ladies and gentlemen, poison. And they went on. I said, wow, this is unexpected. And you're right. I They just kicked ass. I didn't think they would. I, I was not a huge fan of them. There were a lot of poison T-shirts in the parking lot, and in the stadium. So there were a lot of people there to see them. And yeah, like you were saying, Brett Michaels, he knows what to do. He knows how to work the crowd. He was so appreciative. And even the band was like, hey, we got to give this guy a hand. He was in the hospital 24 hours ago. He came out to see you. I said on our show, during every rose, it was raining. And it started to rain again. And he was like, oh, the hell with this. And he grabbed the mic and he walked out to the front, getting wet with everybody else and just...
1: Just knew how to work the crowd. Yeah, Poison is one of those bands that even if you're, you know, I'm proud to say I'm a big Poison fan. Mm-hmm. Um, But even if you're not a Poison fan, I think you still have an appreciation. Like, every, right? every rose has its thorn, right? Like, right. iconic. And even if you're not a big fan, you know, that was a song, like, I think back to when that came out. High school dances, right? All that mm-hmm. stuff. And how ingrained it was in what was going on at the time. And you've got to you've got to say like even over the years with their big hits, you whether you're a fan or not, you know them, right? You, right. you know, you'll wreck and you might, it'll come on the radio, you'll hear it and be like, oh, yeah, and you start kind of bopping away a bit, you know, talk dirty to me, nothing but a good time, whatever. So like, like you, Jackson, at our show, there was definitely a really strong poison contingent there. Mm-hmm. Saw a lot of shirts. Um, it was one of the fun parts of the show for me it was actually like, I was very conscious of looking and tracking kind of, Oh, who's wearing what shirts trying <laughs> yeah, to determine I was doing the same, thing, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> who, w- the who was there to see, you know, who and what the majority of the crowd was. And then when you didn't see the the band shirts, of the bands that were there, like, you know, who's wearing other shirts of other bands. And I always love kind of people watching to see, you know, what's going on. Cause you, when you're going to a show like this, You're putting a a lot of thought into the shirt you're wearing to go to the (laughs) show, right? So you're also
0: getting a big diverse crowd. So you're getting a lot of different people coming in for
1: it. Exactly, exactly. So there were a lot of Poison shirts there and they came out, man, I think Jackson at our show, they got their their opening reception, Roar of the Crowd, rivaled the headliners for sure when they kicked it. Like, look what the cat dragged in, kicked in and Brett came flying out like he was Mm -hmm. shot out of a cannon. And just, you could feel the energy in the building, just like, and from there on, their set was just fire. Like he was, you know, you had Joan Jett, who we talked about being, you know, fairly static, good show, but a lot of the crowd was still sitting for most of hers. Mm -hmm. Instantly, Poison had everybody up. The entire stadium was up and did not sit down the rest of the night. They were the perfect kind of precursor band to the two big ones of the night in terms of getting... Everyone fired up. And like you said, Brett Michaels, he's got to be one of the best front men in the business. He's really Uh, good at what he does. He really is. He's so good at what he does. He He knows the crowd. He plays the crowd perfectly. He knows when to get the crowd fired up. He knows just what to say. He knows how to interact with the crowd. And uh, people were just eating it up, like you could just the, see it. Like it was. Yeah. The,
3: the other thing that was pretty cool about him too is that he knows when to throw it to someone else too. Like when Cece was playing, yes. it wasn't like he was dancing around behind him or anything like that. He just walked off, yep. uh, or walked away and let him do it. I will say, I went to go see Bob Dylan a couple years ago, and he uh, was doing everyone a favor by being there. Just like couldn't uh, be bothered. Like you know what? I <laughs> you wanna, yeah. You want to hear some songs? I hear some songs. <laughs> and and i was thinking about that when when brett michaels was up there because i'm like this is 180 degrees around mm-hmm. he is pumping the crowd up if it, dylan couldn't have cared less or it seemed like that to me this was completely the opposite knew how to work the crowd knew how to get them up there was right. a huge roar because i think i was in the same boat with everybody else in jacksonville nobody thought poison was going to be there so when they when they kicked off it was it was just it was electric yeah and you got to give him credit for
0: being the entertainers that they are, you can kind of equate them to a late 80s kiss in that they were not amazing musicians. They didn't write incredible songs. You know, they wrote unskinny bop for crying out loud, right? You were bopping your head. I was unskinny bopping my head, you know. Uh, but, you know, they go out and they deliver it, you know, and 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 they put on a big show and there's pyro and they do they did makeup for their day. It was a little different than sure. Kiss's yeah. makeup. But makeup for their day, I remember a couple of buddies of mine in high school went to see them. Uh, they got, like, last-minute tickets and I think Warrant were, were opening for them, you know, and Warrant w- were the kind of the same way. They would dance. They had choreographed kind of moves yeah. on stage. They filmed the Ride the Wind video that that night and they swear oh, cool. to me if you slow down the ride the wind video you can see us in the ride the wind video i i, I haven't had that much free time the last 35 years to do that but i'll just <laughs> take their their word for it but if you want like you say entertainment you want a live show poison are, are kind of the real deal they might have been a little cheesy to me they might not have had all the greatest songs but they deliver live like that's their gig and yep. they don't mess that up
1: well, and the fact that they, the other thing too, about this whole tour is, you know, Def Leppard's the only one with new music, all these bands like Poison hasn't had a new album out in years and years and years Right. and knows that and is happy to be that act that is, you know, the legacy act that's going out there to play the greatest hits and that fits them well. Brett Michaels does his solo thing and they get Poison together for the big shows. But again, it's just, they're one of those bands that can do that. They don't need to really you know what, actually I'm a big Poison fan, but. I don't really care to hear a new Poison album, right? Like, <laughs> I, I really don't care. And I'm with you there. It's just I don't <laughs> want to hear the old ones either, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is too, like, you know, again, this concert is a obviously set up to be nostalgia and mm-hmm. greatest hits, et cetera. And people were definitely there to hear the classics. Um, but, you know, the only disappointing thing I would have to say about Poison was the set list for me. Oh, yeah? In terms of, if I'm if I'm a band... And I'm on this tour and I know I have Poison had what 50, 55 minutes to play and I'm laying out what I'm going to play, right? What songs are we going to do boys? Why on God's earth are you having a guitar solo and a drum solo when you've already got a shortened set list? Mm -hmm. Good question. I don't, I am not, you know what? And CC DeVille, I got to say he's much better than I remember seeing him back in the day live. That's cool. Um, In terms of his playing, he was great, but I don't want to, if I'm here to see the greatest hits set list, and you've got less than an hour to play, don't waste 10 minutes on a guitar solo and a drum solo, please. I don't know how you feel, Jackson, but I was, I was disappointed because they only literally played seven songs. Huh.
3: Well, and and I would have I would agree with you that the what I was thinking that uh, the night that I was there was that the solos were giving him a chance to rest because you could see that he was he was still having a hard time right out there yeah but I would agree with you I I don't need to see I don't need to see one of those guys solo I think that was kind of a contract thing or something they put in
1: like and I mean CC did the little bit of the eruption right he did a yeah. little bit of the Eddie tribute on his solo and it was again it was good but. I'm not a big fan of the solos in concerts thing anymore, especially when it drones on. Like I've seen some guitar solos that have gone on forever.
0: Really the only <laughs> drum solo I
1: ever want to see is Tommy Lee because he's going to do something crazy on his kit. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I want to... So the set list was so short and part of it as well is because Brett Michaels is such the showman and the front man there was a lot of banter right. on our show yeah. between him and, you know, he he went on at one point about, and I think he's doing this every show. He talks about Ricky coming back from cancer. He does the tribute to veterans. Uh, he talks about, you know, how poisons, you know, in, in here at the Toronto show, he was talking about how like pro- we broke poison with talk dirty to me back in the day. So he, there was probably, you know, another three to four minutes total of Brett's banter mm-hmm. that took up a bunch of time. Um, so like I was really disappointed that they didn't play on Skinny Bop. Yeah, crazy weird song, but it's a great song live. <laughs> we know play, it, right? Yeah. They didn't play it. Um, they could have played something like I Want Action, which was another big hit for them, didn't play it. So you had the seven songs, and I would have liked to have seen at least another two, which I think they could have done had they not had that kind of solos and, and banter take up the rest of it because. When it ended, I mean, what did they end with? Nothing but a good time, which brought the house down. But I was like, oh, I was kind of like when their show was, their set was done. I was like, ah, crap. They, that's, they're done? That's it. <laughs> well,
3: and I thought part of it too might have been for my show. It could have been the rain that they just cut it down. I didn't know it was that short everywhere.
1: Yeah. You know what? It was funny because when I got home, I, I was reading and was online and I was reading some reviews of, I wanted to see what other people had thought of Poison. Because I'm getting a lot of a sense across just in general that a lot of people are saying Poison is stealing this tour, that their oh. performance is stealing the show. And I was like, oh, I'm going to. And when I looked at the set list website, I was like, how they only played seven. How are do you, you steal can- a So show? I have it printed out right here. There's nine, nine total, but two are the solos, right? Guitar oh, solo yeah. and, and drum solo. So they played seven songs. <laughs>
0: They, they so. must be killing it then. I mean, if they're only really doing, you know, three quarters of an album, really, you know, live, but they're, they're stealing the show from these heavyweights, they, they must be kicking it.
1: Yeah, if you go and read some of the reviews that pop up after each night, um, you'll see that quite a large number of them are like, wow, Poison is really, really bringing it. And uh, in a lot of the cases, excuse me, in a lot of the cases, absolutely, the reviews are saying that they're blowing crew out of the water. So that I believe (laughs) we can get to that, that I believe, you know, but I want to
0: go back to a point that you made a few minutes ago, Chris, about how Def Leppard is the only band on this tour that has new material, you know, and of course it wasn't going to be that way when they started, when they they set out to do the tour a couple of years ago, Uh, but they took advantage of their time in lockdown and made this killer new album that's been blowing up all over the world, Diamond Star Halos. And I'll let you get into some of the songs on it here when we kind of walk through the set list a little bit. But obviously, that kind of broadens what they can do, and, and it and you know and it gives them the ability to change their set list a little bit more, and they can mix yes. in some older stuff. Like your set list and Jackson's set list were not identical, you know, no. uh, and they're not the same from from night to night, which I like. They're more like the Stones in that they do mix it up you know, from night to night, you're not, if you go to two stone shows, which I did at the end of June and beginning of July, you're not going to see the exact same show. Whereas Motley Crue are more like Kiss. And it's like, if you saw a show eight years ago, you're basically going to get the same exact show because we haven't made any new music and our hits are still the hits. And Vince doesn't even know all the songs. That's why he needs a teleprompter, (laughs) you know, even though we haven't written anything new in 30 years. So, I mean, to me, it would seem like Def Leppard is the obvious headliner? I know Motley Crue are huge, especially in America, right? Yes. You know, yes. huge hits, and they deserve the co-headline bill with Def Leppard on this tour. But to me, just given the fact that they have so much more and they've done it for so much longer, to me, it's a little more obvious. They have a little more breadth to what they've done versus Crue. To me, they're the obvious. They're the biggest. Gorilla in the room, the tallest kid in the class, if you will. Correct, yeah.
3: Well, the other thing, too, is uh, out of all of these bands, Def Leppard the only one that's really still a band. I mean, both Poison and Motley yes. Crue, I mean, they get together when they have to, but I don't think they're hanging out on the weekends and doing anything. Ooh. Oh, yeah, let's come over to my house, Vince. We'll just hang. No.
1: So, no, I mean, I don't not.
3: think that even if they had put out a new record, I don't think anybody would really want to hear it.
1: And you know what, Def Leppard's still to this day, which I just love. I mean, we won't get into my massive fandom of them, but we all know (laughs) that I am a massive fan. But the one thing I love about Def Leppard is they all still get ready together before the show, right? Motley Crue is in their own rooms. They don't talk. The other, you know, a lot of bands don't do what Def Leppard does, where like you see the scenes from the behind the scenes videos they do, like. They are all, they have the same dressing room where they're getting ready. Like Mm -hmm. they're talking to Viv, and you hear Joe right behind him warming up. Like it's just, I love the fact that they are still, well, they're the band of brothers, right? Like they, Mm -hmm. and that is, I think, partly why they've endured so long and so well is that they actually all like each other still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They all live in separate countries and, you know, they, They don't Mm. get together anymore to record albums together. They do it, you know, via technology, but you got to give it to them for the longevity of being able to stick it out and still love each other. And I think it goes a long way towards the success that they still have is that they can still do that. Right. So Mm -hmm. I hear that.
0: Yeah, they're, and they're, they're they're mature. I mean, you know, they started when they were young. They knew what they wanted to do. Yeah, they hit a lot of this success together. I mean, certainly Savs Joe and Rick, you know, have been together for a long, long time. Phil, of course, is is you know maybe not quite as long, uh, but he got there in time. Yeah. You know, for the big one, right—the the one that really launched him everywhere—and then yeah, the new guy's been there thirty years at this
1: <laughs> the point. Fact right? that, you know, every and it's so funny because you know Joe still in the show calls out, and hey, here's the new boy. It's <laughs> and it's like, wow! So this is the thirtieth anniversary of Viv joining the band this year, and it's like, it's it's fantastic. But uh, yeah, they they were definitely, I, I think, here um, to your point, Mac, the the Toronto show as well. They were. Although they didn't close, they were the headliner mm-hmm. for sure in terms of the overall. Um, did they close for you in, in Florida, Jackson? No, they did not. Yep, yeah, they yeah. were. Def Lepper closed. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think about Motley Crew. Yes.
3: They, <laughs> yes. Def Lepper did close. And okay. it was actually good because by that point in time, I was hoping Def Leppard was going to go on first and then we probably would have bagged Motley Crue because <laughs> we've been there for so long. But then when they... because And again, I didn't really know what was going on because they were setting the stage up and you couldn't really tell because it was super dark at that point in time. And then I was like, come on, Def Leppard, I need my son, he's running out of gas here. And I heard somebody, there, like way in the back, somebody was playing a guitar. I'm like, oh, that's Girls, Girls, Girls. This is going to be the crew. <laughs> well, I guess we're in here for the long haul. So, I mean, he was a trooper, um, but I'm, I'm really glad that, that Def Leppard closed because it, it was strange to me because th- there was nothing at the beginning of the Motley Cruise set, there was really nothing. They were people just setting up a stage and then boom, they went on. They had a little bit of a, uh, like uh, some kind of news report about how there's yes, a hurricane yeah. coming and it's the hurricane motley crew. But when Def Leppard, they had the whole diamond star halos things up. There was a countdown. Countdown. That countdown was awesome. Cause you're like, oh, here we go. It's three more minutes, two more minutes. So that was, I think they were a lot more polished for their, their kind of part of the concert. But, uh, to my son's credit, we did stay till the bitter end, because I'm like, we, we we paid for this. We're in this all the way. Good. And then so at the beginning of the show, Classless Act said, oh, hey, by the way, we're playing at the warehouse or somewhere at midnight. You can bring your ticket, you get in for free. Oh, that's great. <laughs> we walked out of the stadium at 1147, and I said to my son, we got time to go to the other show. He's like, you got to be <laughs> And I was like, honestly, at this point in time, I'm kind of half kidding. Like if he would have said, okay. Wow. Good would have for gone you. To see, yeah. Cause I was pumped by that point in time, but yeah, he was, he was just gassed out. So yeah. I, I'm glad that it worked out that way because, because to me, Def Leppard was the, is the headliner and I'm glad they played last. So tell us about that, Chris. I mean, sorry. Poison's done, great buzz.
0: The crowd loved it. They're jazzed now, right? Everyone's psyched for a rock and roll show at this point. All 43,000 people are getting in there. You did have the countdown at yours as well, right? Oh, and- yes. Yes. That's cool. So so yeah. you knew it was coming. You could time your bathroom break or go in right. to get a beer or whatever at this age we need to do. Yes. Uh, right.
1: Sit for a minute, sit. My legs can't take standing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the problem Jackson and I are gonna have when we get together. I gotta sit sometime during the show. Oh, Jackson's man. like, you stand through the whole show. This is a rock and roll show. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm fifty, I'm overweight. Just give me a few minutes, right? There's gotta be a ballad in here somewhere. <laughs> I stood for
1: five hours, man, and I felt oh, it the next day.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's walk through it a little bit. They start with Take What You Want, which I think is the way they they start most of the shows, yeah?
1: Yes, yeah. So the anticipation for me at this point, so Def Leppard was up next for me, um, and Crew was closing here in Toronto. So the anticipation for me was, I got to say, this is probably in terms of level of anticipation for me, up near the top, ever terms of a show because I had not this is now the longest gap I've had between seeing Def Leppard right because of COVID so I last Mm -hmm. saw them in the summer of 2018 when I did the meet and greet when they were playing with Journey at the same venue actually Cool. so it has been over four years and so I was beyond psyched then throw in the fact that we had just been rocked to hell and back by poison so I was pumped Throw in, again, the fact that they've got new material. Def leppard mm-hmm. got new material, which I'm excited to hear because I know they've played up to four songs on the set list right. uh, have been from this album. Plus the fact that I know that they're going to open with Take What You Want, which I said on a couple um, occasions that I think this song is the best song they've written in over 30 years. Wow. Um, I absolutely love it. And I, I tried before this show... It was impossible. I know I was never going to do it, but I had tried to not look at as much video of people's, you know, the the unfortunate thing is you can now go on YouTube and everybody and their dog has posted live videos of the shows. and I was like, I don't want to really see that. Right. I want to have some some mystery to it. But so I knew they were going to open with take what you want and I'd seen it. But like you said, Jackson, with that countdown, it's up on the big screens left and right, right? They've got it. It started out at about, I think, eight minutes. There's 30 minutes or so between sets for each band, but then the countdown comes on and it starts to get down. And then, you know, it hits 10 seconds and the lights go down. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the the roar of the crowd kicked in. And then they play the intro to take what you want from mm-hmm. the record. And I can't even explain to you the feeling of electricity, it just you could feel it in the building like it was like it was like shot through your body i could feel like the hairs on the back of my neck standing up it was crazy then the the the, you know the curtain kind of is slowly rising as that intro is coming up and then when they the band kicks in with the opening riffs of that song and joe walks out and i mean these guys are the rock stars of all rock stars right? and there's just Mm -hmm. nothing comparable to when that happens, and you see them for the first time. I have the same feeling almost every time I see them, of like it was the first time I saw them. That makes sense. <laughs> That's cool. Right? Just, which is, I don't want to ever lose that feeling, um, because it's it's so unique and it's so fun, and it just sends such an adrenaline shot through your body that you know you can't. You want to capture that in a bottle every time, mm-hmm, and uh, yeah. so the song kicks in, and when the curtain just finally came up fully, and the song kicked in. And there was that kind of explosion. The smoke comes up. And I can't remember a show that has been that loud, partly because the roof was closed. It was even louder. But my God, it was deafening. (laughs) And everyone's up. And the song just kicked serious ass. Like Joe sounded, uh, man, his... COVID has obviously helped him rest his voice. He had some issues in the past. He has a vocal coach. He's worked on it really hard, but he sounded absolutely brilliant. Just brilliant. I was blown away. I was like, now I had high anticipations for Def Leppard coming into the show as I always do for their, their shows. Right. So I set the bar pretty high, but to start off with that song and that energy and you know, the guys look great. Viv looks great. He's, he's still got cancer, but he's, you know, he's in remission. He's dealing with it. He looks so good. They were, what they were wearing was amazing. Phil, Phil looked amazing. And, uh, the big screens are now up because we've got the full video monitors up, right. For the big two acts. And it was like, you could almost just feel that wave of energy blow across the whole stadium when that song kicked in. So, I love Take What You Want as an opener. I think that was a brilliant choice that if you're gonna go with a new track, you go with one that people would, I guess, call this kind of a throwback. This could be like Pyromania, Pyromania era Def Leopard sound, right? On Take right. What You Want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That people it's gonna connect with the fans that are there to hear the hits because they're gonna be like, wow, this new song rocks. And then it's gonna obviously for someone like me who loves the new album you know, I wanted to hear it. I I anticipated hearing it and I wanted to hear it. I I want to hear the new songs. Um, so I think it was probably the best choice for an opener and I think will be potentially an opener for them down the road as well.
3: And that's why when I was, when I was watching this show, I was thinking to myself, they, they originally scheduled this for what, 2019, 2020, whenever the original deal came out, they wouldn't have had these new songs. So I'm, as much as it's, as it was terrible to wait that long it was really great to hear them incorporate the new stuff and yeah if i were motley crew i i would have been a little like oh we don't we don't have anything wait we got that dirt song from the movie that we can put okay <laughs> but,
1: yeah. but nick nicky's already said i don't know if you saw it out there he was kind of half joking around saying you know we're gonna have to like somebody's gonna have to bump def leppard off yeah, somehow because they're, uh, they're right? it.
0: yeah they're doing awesome <laughs> Well, uh, hearing a great new song is awesome and and that'll fire the crowd up but not like hearing a killer classic and while jackson's second song was fired up you got one that i would have died to see them play second man they did not play they did not play let it go when we saw them on the 1992-93 tour man and uh i love this song i know it was in the peak days but this is a killer, killer Def Leppard song. And the harmonies?
1: God, yeah. it's classic Leppard. Yeah, I was really... When when they made that tweak to the set list, I was... Uh, I thought when they... I knew they were going to tweak it. Because, you know, you're going to try out the some of the new material for a bit and see how it goes and yeah. make the tweaks. You know, we'll talk about it later, but with the acoustic set too. I knew they were going to tweak it. I was expecting to see something like Let's Get Rocked go back into the set. I was... Because they they don't Let's be honest, they don't pay a lot of homage to the early days in their shows normally, right? They really don't anymore, no. No, but whoever, you know, whenever they were looking at what they were going to replace Fired Up with, brilliant move on their part to follow up, take what you want with a real barn burner like Let It Go. I think oh, man. the, the, the one-two punch of that just set the whole place up for an absolute party, right? Because... There, was, there were some guys sitting over beside me who I was talking to earlier in the night who were, again, probably six or seven years older than me, and were like, we were talking about Def Leopard set list that they tend to play a lot of, you know, it's Hysteria, Pyromania, they throw in a little bit of other stuff from later years, and they ignore the first two albums, and those guys were kind of really disappointed because we had the little fun debate about, like, they were like, oh, High and Dry is by far their best album ever, and everything after that isn't the same, and so those guys, I looked at them when they when Let It Go came on, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah, brilliant no. move because uh, it was a it was a perfect follow up to take what you want." And when that the end, take what you want, and the the guitar of Let It Go kicks in, oh perfection
0: oh god I love it the riff is so hot man and th- like I said that's where the Def Leppard sound more than Hello America certainly from the early days that the the harmonies the backing vocals all coming together that's quintessential Leppard as far as I'm concerned that's where it yeah. comes from yeah all right well we can't we may not be able to go through every song no we don't in go through great every detail because no. Jackson's got a hard stop at nine here yeah but, but then you know they get into a, a little bit of a run of some classics here animal fooling my favorite off Hysteria Armageddon.
1: Oh, so good. So good live.
0: Any of these stand out to you? Anything special going on on those?
1: You know what? I, I think it was continuing through that, that flow of songs. Um, Animals, an all-time favorite of mine. Foolin' over the years, I've kind of come to be like, it's a great song, but um, it's one for me that I could, again, I've seen them so many times and they've played it every time I've seen them. There are certain gotcha. songs they play every time. Foolin' for me was never a massive favorite from Pyromania, but it, it's it's a great live track. It was well done. Armageddon for me is always a favorite live and is probably to this day one of my top five Def Leppard songs. And they killed it on that song. You know, Viv always okay. starts it off. And, you know, Joe calls him out as the new boy, as I said. Um, <laughs> so by this point in the set list, you know, the crowd is just, I'm looking around and this this is just like absolutely awesome. Like everybody is just so into it. And um, I think, you know, the choices for the songs to this point are probably make the most sense and are the perfect songs for what everybody wants to hear. So I was really pleased. Like, you can't you can't go wrong with those first five songs at all. No, it's That's
0: huge. It. You know, and I loved I mean, look, you talk about 88. I remember watching MTV I could time it every night, between 10.30 and 11, I think it was, every single night for weeks they played Armageddon it, between 10.30 and 11, for whatever reason, it was just popular, it was before some show came on at 11, because MTV used to run videos and a couple of shows, now it's no videos in all shows. but. And I don't know, I just I remember the girls in the video from McNichols Arena in Denver. I'm like, oh, God, would you look at this? Foxy girls at the Def Leppard show. i got to start going to some concerts, man. Yeah, you know? exactly, right? And, and it's the harmonies in that are great. And it's the same, you know, Jackson show and a lot of them. And then they get into Kick, which was the first single. And I want to hear what you think about that. Because I remember when it came out, you and Neil, especially Neil, was all over this like oh have you heard the new you know how awesome it is what do you think about this one live
1: I really enjoyed it I've I've liked the song since the first time I heard it and I knew they were gonna play it of course um, because it's I think fun. it's I think they wrote this one specifically as you know we want a stadium rocker we want mm-hmm. a it's a sing along um, it's a crowd pleaser. It sounded really, really good vocally for Joe. It's a good song for him to sing in terms of his where he's at with his register, etc. And overall, the reaction was pretty good for it. Joe kind of introduced it first, um, you know, as a as a new song off the new album and spelled out the letters or whatever it was. And when it kicks it like it's 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 a rocker, right? It's a crowd pleaser. It's supposed to be sung loud, sing along in the stadium. And it worked well, um, following those big hits that we just heard. Right, I think it was mm-hmm. a good, it was a good spot to insert it into the set list, knowing what was to come, kind of in the middle. And I really like it. I still like, I still like it. And I think it was a great choice as a first single from this new album. And uh, whether or not it'll stay in the set list later as they come out um, a couple of years from now, and sure. I'm sure it'll stay in the set list when they take this over to to Europe in 2023 I think take what you want though is going to be the song from this album that stays as the rocker that has to be in this set list going forward for them okay and kick would be that one that might come in and out I I really really like the song I think it it translated very well to a live setting too and it seemed like it fit really well in the set
3: list. Also, yeah. all of these new songs, there wasn't like, you, we didn't get that wonky, like, well, this doesn't really, oh, well, I guess they got to Pam fist the new stuff in here. Exactly. It, it, it fit in great. How do you feel about, and we've talked about this before, people tuning down in later years?
1: You know what? It, it is what it is. I have no mm. problems with it. Yeah. And, you, you know, you can get into the whole discussion about that, the tuning down, which they have to do. You know, these guys can't hit those notes anymore. Um, yeah, it's, it's especially fine.
3: for and, fooling. You're, well, not, honestly, you're yeah, not going like, there anymore. Well, yeah.
1: even like some of these, like "Let It Go," like these are hard songs for Joe to sing. Like, yeah, back in the day, they were hard songs for him to sing. Right. Imagine the wear and tear on your voice. So tuning down. Hey, go for it. You know, you throw in the other discussions about the backing tapes with various bands. I, I'm i really, I really don't care. I don't want to see lip syncing, mm-hmm. but right. if you need some help, whatever. But most of the crowd really isn't going to care or even right. know that you've tuned down right
3: i'd rather hear you sing yeah and not struggle to hit these yeah. notes that you can't anymore but exactly. hey it's in the original key uh, okay
0: yeah especially at a stadium too where there's forty three thousand people the sound isn't perfect there are a lot exactly. of casual fans there yeah you know it, it's it, it, as long as they can sing along to it that's all right. that really matters you know 100%. yeah yeah and then they had the big the big hit really. I mean, it's hard for me to call Love Bites their big hit because they're such a rock band and this is a slowdown, right? But yeah, they're only no- number one, right? Yeah, that's right. And it was huge in England too, where they don't get that much love. But that I mean, you gotta I mean after those six songs, you gotta bring it down a little bit, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. And so that's the perfect time to put it in. Now, this is where it starts to diverge a little bit yes. between you you guys, because Jackson saw excitable, but this goes into promises. Is this where they did? Is this where they sat down for acoustic?
1: No. So what happened was, so I'm I I'll, I will say I'm glad we didn't get excitable. They've been playing that in shows for uh, well prior to pan uh, COVID. Obviously, they they had inserted that back into their live set in 2019. It's my least favorite song from Hysteria. I understand that live it's better, but I wasn't really. I was like ah, I could do without excitable. So things start to diverge here between the two set lists, like you said. So. We got love bites, great, always good live. Bring it down a bit, people love it. They do a beautiful job of playing it live. Um, there's a lot going on in that song, right? And they do a they do a great job of um, playing that song. And for me, they kicked into promises, not acoustic, the full the full version okay. of promises, mm-hmm. which I love the song. I felt it was one of Joe's weaker vocals on the night for me. Okay. Um, and the, the ride out faded at the end. They changed mm-hmm. it. So because a lot of it on the, the original material is Joe at that really high, you know, promise it. And they, <laughs> they just wrote out Phil on the guitar with that one at the end. Okay. Uh, well, so Joe didn't have to, to sing. And then they went into the, the acoustic set. Okay. So what had happened, my understanding was, Jackson, that you guys got, I think, a bit of a longer acoustic set with, have you ever needed someone so bad in there? No? We didn't get any acoustic set. Oh, you? Oh, because of the rain. Right. That,
3: that's what I'm guessing, and and oh. as much as I would have liked to have seen that, like I was saying on our show originally, that would have killed the crowd. That would have, right. we, everybody had been there so long and it was so late. They needed high energy yeah. the whole time. So they're like, we're going to slow it down here a little. bit. People would be like, oh. No. yeah, I'm wet and it's eleven yes. fifteen, dude. Tired, I'm Play, wet. let it <laughs> go. <laughs> Correct.
1: Okay, so that's what. I, so interesting. So I'm I'm torn a bit on this part of the set list because. So promises finishes. Um, you know, the, the, Joe Burt starts to bring out the acoustic guitar. The guys move to the front of the stage, and you you know this is the time where they're going to do that. They've done an acoustic set for years. Mm-hmm. Usually it's two steps behind, heartbreak, whatever. So on the previous shows prior to yours, Jackson, they were playing this guitar. Have You Ever Needed Someone So Bad? And Two Steps Behind is like a three song medley. Right. So this got truncated a bit with the tweak in the set list where they dropped out. Have You Ever Needed Someone So Bad? And played this guitar and two steps behind. So this guitar is a beautifully written song, beautifully played. The only problem I had with this part of the set list was, like you said, Mac, that everybody's full on going nuts to this point, right? The energy's Mm -hmm. high. It... I could almost feel the wind come out of the sails in the stadium, though. Gotcha. It was. Then you started to see the people sit down, which I, I get it. You need that little bring down. But I almost thought that they lost a little momentum. I enjoyed it. I didn't sit down. But this guitar, I was really curious to see how that would translate from the album version with Alison Krauss. Sure. And it was beautifully done. Two steps behind. I've heard it so many times that <laughs> I was like, it's great. It's great. It's a good song. And I get they're going to play it. But I was at the point at that that exact moment where I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, we'll take a little breather. Um, you know, people mm-hmm. were starting to sit down around us. You could see the phones. People were checking their phones now. Right. and I, I think they lost a little bit of the crowd, quite honestly. Interesting. Yeah.
0: But that makes sense. You know, yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. So, all right. So, so Rocket was not acoustic. Rocket, they're back.
1: Rocket, they're back. Okay. And that was after that lull was the perfect song to get back into the groove. It wasn't the full version of Rocket, which I was a bit disappointed in, but um, I get it based on the the 90-minute set list. They had to shorten it, but that got everybody back up, right? Because you get the that beginning of Rocket from the album intro that kicks mm-hmm. in, the lights go down again, it's dark, and then Rocket comes on. The place went bonkers again. Um, one of my favorite live Def Leppard songs, absolutely.
0: That's interesting because it on the on the version that we saw on MTV or heard on the radio, there is a lot of sampling and stuff like that, and there's yeah. some re- remixes that can really stretch this this thing out, you know. So I was always, I mean, I remember it being awesome when I saw it 30 years ago, but those are hazy memories at this point. It's just curious, is you know, do they have all the kind of sampling and stuff in it? Uh, the same way?
1: It's slightly different because they're playing, the version they play on this tour is the single version. So it's the four and a half minute shortened version. So what okay. they're missing is that big, long middle part of Rocket, right? Mm-hmm. Where on the album version, there's a lot of stuff going on. They do that in a very condensed version on the live show. Okay. So you get, um, I love the single version, but I really love when they do the full extended and especially when they don't do it anymore, but like way back in the day when I saw them on the Adrenalize tour, they did the full extended version where they've got Viv and Phil doing the kind of battling guitars in that middle point. Oh, yeah. they don't They don't do that on this tour, obviously, but it's still a crowd pleaser. And like I said, it's visually and the song itself for me live is just such an experience. Mm-hmm. but it's one of my favorites.
0: Well, I think from this point on, for the most part, the set list is pretty well the same, isn't it? I mean, this is, they haven't mixed up too much from this point no, on.
1: No, yeah. this is the same, I think. They do the the great version of Heartbreak where they ride out into Switch 6, 625, which they changed up a bit for this tour um, in terms of six, Switch 625 really is that high-energy instrumental, but they added on, kind of it turned into at the end, like, they threw the solos in there. So Rick Allen does a wicked, wicked drum solo at the end of Switch 625, which is a massive highlight. Like he was going nuts, right? And then beyond that, it's the closing, you know, the typical closing tracks where you get Hysteria, which again, they changed the ending up, which was fantastic. You get Sugar, you get Rock of Ages, you get Photograph, Mm -hmm. which brings the house down, right? Every time, absolutely brings the house down. And Photograph is probably their, you know, Give or take, depending who you talk to, their signature song. They have to close with that. It's almost an automatic.
3: <laughs> it is for me. I really liked. I like the fact that they they did six, uh, switch six two five instead, not instead of solos, but like as part yep. of it. And it was cool because uh, you know Viv and uh, and Phil are standing at the front of the at the front, the very edge of the, the stage. And they go into it and, you know, gives Joe a break. Yeah. And then into the Rick Allen drums, which is, you know, you want to see that. But like you said, you don't want to see 20 minutes of it. You definitely want to see him do his thing back there.
1: And you know what? That always brings up Rick gets such a huge, huge response from the crowd every time. Right. And again, like you said, he doesn't do extended drum solos. They don't. But to have him kind of be featured at Mm -hmm. that point. I think, is always a highlight, Um, you know, just with what he's been. I mean, the guy's a the guy's a legend. Right. And to to have him kind of showcased, I think, is something special that you want to see. Absolutely.
3: And it was nice. It was an opportunity for Phil to uh, take his shirt off. So, you know, I mean, (laughs) there you go. There you go. You knew that was coming. If I was Phil, I wouldn't even own shirts,
0: man. Exactly, I, would, right. I would walk around with my shirt off all the time, man.
3: No, you wouldn't. You'd own one shirt when you go into the bank. And they'd say, there so you go. have to put, all right. And then as soon as you get out, went Burr. right off again.
0: I'd, I'd have someone to go in the bank for me. <laughs> if I was Phil Collins, I wouldn't leave my house in the Hollywood Hills or Malibu or wherever it is. He has that mansion of his. Exactly. Uh, that's cool. No, I mean, look, I love bringing on the heartbreak. All those that they they end with sugar. Look, you can It's not like they're never gonna. If they only played three songs, one of them would be sugar. Oh, it has one, to be right. It has to be in North America. One of them would it. have to be photograph. Right? You know. So I'm like, yeah, play those. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. And hysteria is still a great song. It's it's kind of a mid tempo. It's a rocker, but it's not a fast one. You know. So after you do bring in on the heartbreak and let them do the solos, let hysteria kind of. Kind of get a warm, fuzzy yeah. feeling going before you get into the big ones, right? Sugar, Rock of Ages, Photograph, leaving one Want More. Good luck following that Motley crew, right? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> oh boy, here we go.
0: Yeah. So I mean you don't have a ton of time, but I mean, yeah. all right, rank this. Are you seen 15 shows? Is this a top five show? Is this a bottom five show?
1: Mm, good, good question. Um, I'm going to put it up there as uh, a top five for me, for sure. Really? Yeah. And again, partly because, I, as I mentioned before, it was the anticipation, the buildup, the new music, just the where this was being, the stadium this was being played in, the crowd, all factoring into my extremely high anticipation and expectations for them uh, that were completely fulfilled. Like I said, the band just kills... Every night. They are so tight. They are so professional and they always sound great. And the real highlight is Joe. The fact that he still is able to sing these songs at the high level that he does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He struggled at certain points. That's fine. There's going to be certain points where every singer is going to have an he didn't have an off night by any means, but there's going to be certain points in a tour like this where, you know, you may not hit the right key and you might not hit the right note. That's great. It's fine. That's what live shows do. It's
0: part of live music. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. So you want it perfect. Just go sit at home and listen to the record, you know?
1: Exactly. Exactly. This is it. So I was beyond um happy with overall how they performed. Um, you know, that first show for me, like we talked about at the beginning, was probably it's my number one ever Def Leppard show. Was that adrenalized show? Because it's but so this is definitely definitely top five.
0: Yeah. but well, especially that first yeah. one, you know, and your first big rock concert in arena. I mean, you right. know, that's that's pretty special, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Any notes on Motley Crue that, uh, worth mentioning?
1: <laughs> oh boy, um, we could do another full show on just this this uh, this band and this tour and this set list. Um, I will say uh, we'll keep it brief. Um, I will say that I am a big, big, big Motley Crue fan, and I have been since you know 1986, 87. Mm-hmm. I've seen them multiple times. I saw them twice on the final right. tour. I went in with tempered expectations because I knew what was potentially going to be the issues. And overall, I was disappointed. I was disappointed for a number of reasons. First off, that the, I don't know how it was on your end, Jackson, and I've heard this now consistently night after night. The sound and the mix for Motley Crue was abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. The bottom end was so heavy, guys. Like, the bass, Nikki's bass and the kick drum were so loud. It overpowered. Like, when it first kicked in, I actually felt it through my chest. And it was the sound was so muddy. The mix was so muddy. Really? There were certain points in various songs on their list that actually, like, 45 seconds in, I was like, I'm not sure even what this song is yet. Wow that's how bad the mix was wow. and i've heard this now though night after night it was it was very disappointing in terms of how the whole concert sound experience for me was because there was as i said literally points where it was indecipherable and the yeah. fact that you know vince has his issues um right. he was in a lot of cases completely drowned out by the the poor the mix and the heavy heavy bass and drums like it was just and we, we were talking with people after, and it was like, who's their sound guy? Right. Like, what is going on? Fire him, right? Right. Like, fire this guy. This is awful. So it was it was really disappointing from that standpoint. And so I, I walked away with a bad taste in my mouth there. And then overall, the band, to me, again, this is just me observing them and having seen them so many times. On the final tour, they kicked ass. Like, that was Hotly Crew at its kind of, to me, um, excuse me, peak. They seemed out of sync all night. Wow. And I don't know if it's the fact of they haven't played together in how many years, right? I don't know how much rehearsal they did. I don't know if they just kind of threw everybody back together again and let's go out there and do it. But they just seemed out of sync, you know, and the overall kind of just vibe of the show, they didn't seem like they were all on the same page to me, musically and in terms of performance. And Vince was definitely... The best way to explain it, not as mobile, shall we say? Yeah, um, didn't do the same thing. He almost looked at some in some points like he was going through the motions. Maybe mm-hmm. the best way to say it. Yeah, I mean, look,
0: Mick can't move, right? He, he's he's got this debilitating disease. He basically has to stand at the bike. He can't move around. Vince has not kept himself in great shape, and to, to say the least. And and so they kind of rely on Tommy and Nikki. Well, Tommy is still getting over broken ribs i mean i know it's been a few months but (laughs) broken ribs affect how you do everything certainly when you're a drummer and you're moving all four limbs at once right so he can't bring it like he usually does so it's got nikki head banging and that's it you know so yeah i mean there was a reason they they called the last, that farewell tour, the final tour, the final tour. It's like, this is the last time we can do it, right? After yeah. this, we may still do it. It's just not going to be crew anymore.
1: Yeah, overall, the show was, there were a lot of people there to see the crew, obviously. And there were a lot of hard, the, the Motley Crew fans are hardcore. Mm-hmm. They are hardcore and they don't care. They were like, oh, they sounded great. Vince was awesome. And I was like, that's, that's cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, for me, again, like I said, it was a letdown. The show itself, like the stage show was very elaborate. They had that really cool intro where they did the fake news report. They kicked in with Wild Side and, you know, the place went nuts and they had the dancing girls, the nasty habits. And there was a lot going on visually, which I think was intentional to distract obviously away from some of the issues that Vince has because they were, you know, the backing vocals you've heard of, you know, the tracks they potentially use, which whatever, yeah. if you use them fine to prop Vince up, that's great. So there was a lot going on visually, which worked, I think, for the most part. But mm-hmm. again, you know, I want to see the complete show. I want the guys to be on the top of their game. I just think for the sh- my show, for sure, Motley Crue was not at the top of their game. And there were some cringeworthy moments too for me, which I was like, really, guys? Like, I don't know, Jackson, if you got the Tommy Lee coming out and asking the girls to flash, right? The whole... Which, uh, you know, I know that's Tommy, but he comes out and he's like, "Hey, Toronto," and and then he starts going around the front of the stage and he's like, "We need boobs," and and <laughs> it was like you had that. I had a kind of like the, "Oh, really?" And you you could almost sense the awkwardness too because then right. they'd start to show some girls in the crowd on the big screen and you'd see some of them were like, "Oh, I'm not going to do that," and then there <laughs> were a couple that there were a couple that did it. And there always there was are a little bit of a roar from the crowd, but it was like. Uh, guys like i know i think it's time we move past that (laughs) i'm with you there yeah in the days of the meaty
0: movement a 60 year old tattooed guy coming out let's see some boobs uh yeah Uh, all right i know we're coming to the end here man so you want to tell people where they can find you and what you're up to i i loved you on the groove is it the groove council that i heard you on with jay
1: yeah so the hook rocks yeah we've i've done some stuff with uh jay scott on the hook rocks great and i know you did as well Great guy, great podcast, and I'll be uh, back on with Jay at some point in the near future. Cool. You guys can always find me on social media, uh, my rock and roll heaven at rock these tweets. Also on Instagram, same handle. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to be doing an episode with uh, Neil from Deflet Pod later today as well. So we'll be discussing some similar stuff. So lots of things in the hopper, you know, working on some things in the background on my side, but absolutely enjoy always coming on and, and speaking with you guys and talking music and look forward to hopefully doing some more and down the road as well.
0: You bet, man. No, you're always welcome here. We, we appreciate your take. And hey, by the way, if you've got, if you, I mean, I know your Def Leppard collection is massive, but if you need something that's hard to find in great condition, go to rarevinyl.com. Use that podcast code, man. It'll Absolutely. save you 10% off. I hope you feel better, man. I hope you get all that stuff out of your system and you get to to go see some more concerts here this fall. And, yeah, uh, hey, if you ever need anything, let us know, man. We You're the best, man. We'll have you on any time.
1: So I'm actually off to see Duran Duran on Monday.
0: Oh, sweet. You're going to love it, dude. Is, is Sheik opening for him?
1: Yes. Yes, dude. Oh, Taking the family. The three of us are going.
0: You're going to love it. Uh, we I saw him. I took the eight-year-old to, to Hyde Park. Uh, to see him in july it was it was great
1: that's awesome man we're looking forward to it
0: awesome dude well hey have fun send me some pictures man and hey look stay in touch we really appreciate you coming on
1: yep thanks for having me guys appreciate it hey take care guys
0: see you bud Bye-bye. Bye. well that concludes our talk with chris from my rock and roll heaven or at rock these tweets Great guy and a huge Def Leppard fan who's been to see them 15 times over 30 years. Knows them in and out. It's just one of those things I'm happy about. When you hear a legacy act like Def Leppard is coming out with new material, not everybody's going to be excited about that. But I know someone who was, and that's Chris. Not to mention our buddy Neil from Def Lepp Pod. And Chris has actually just recorded with Neil uh, a new episode that I think is out now, as this one is out. So you should definitely check out at Def Lepp Pod. To not only you should know Neil's show. If you listen to this show, you should certainly be listening to Def Leap pod. But Chris has been a guest with Neil several times, and they're talking about some of the same things. Although Neil has special questions that only super Def Leap fans like he and Chris uh, would be diving into. But we really appreciate him coming up and and showing some of the contrast between the show that Jackson saw in Jacksonville. Obviously, the rain affected a lot of that set, and Jackson didn't get to see the whole thing, and there's a difference between Motley Crue going on first and Def Leppard going on first on that tour, but I think overall the tour has been very successful, and for a super fan like Chris, you know that's a dream come true to be able to see them after waiting for years and being able to hear this killer new album. For me, I love Def Leppard and all, but if they didn't play anything new, I would probably be okay with that. If they just went high and dry, Pyromania, Hysteria, maybe a little bit from the next couple albums or so. I'd be good with that, you know. But they are a working band. They're still awesome live. And like Chris said, they're still buddies. They all still hang out together. They like being together. They've kept themselves in great shape. They always dress like rock stars. They look the part. They play the part. They're the real deal. And so I'm happy that Jackson got to see them. I'm happy that Chris got to see them. And I hope he's feeling better. He was feeling ill in the days after the show. And, uh, of course, we wanted to have him on as soon as we could, just so everything would still be fresh in his mind. But we appreciated being a real trooper coming on the show and sharing his memories with us. So, as usual, folks, we want to know, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? You gotta let us know. You can DM us at ugly underscore werewolf or at actionjack72. We've also got an email, uglyamericanWerewolf at gmail.com, where you can let us know which bands, albums, concerts, DVDs, which rock properties you'd like for us to review. And of course, we are proud to be a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a family of about a hundred different podcasts out there with something for everybody. You like old school rap, you like top 40 you like classic rock like us, you like jazz, there's something in there for you. And, of course, we have some friends who we've worked on that before, and we've got some special fun stuff, thanks to Pantheon, in the works that we can't wait to tell you about. Uh, and so you'll have to stay tuned for all that. Now, next week, we are going to talk about an album that is 50 years old, or it's about to be, and that's Foxtrot by Genesis. Anyone who listens to our show know that Jax and I have been going through a bit of a prog phase, especially me, these last seven or eight years. I did have a chance to see one of the last two Genesis concerts ever at the O2 in London. And, of course, not only got to see Steve Hackett play live, but we had Steve Hackett on our show on episode number 87, talking about his Seconds Out tour and the upcoming Foxtrot at 50 tour. Plus, he has his Seconds Out Live Genesis Revisited, and more, coming out on September 2nd, which includes part of Foxtrot, especially the 24-minute epic, Supper is Ready. So we're going to talk about Foxtrot as it turns 50, kind of dive in deep to it, also kind of give a little bit of Steve's reflections and what he told us uh, about that album when he was on with us. So please tune in for that. Please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, be it Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Play. Anywhere you get your podcast, And if you're thinking about it, guys, hey, do us a favor. Give us a positive review. It just helps us find more rock and roll fans like you. So until next time, all you rock and rollers all around the world, be cool and stay safe.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.